Hey, Bay City. I want to thank you for having me in your church. I've got a word for you today. It's a word about storms in life. And I want to tell you, we all face storms in life, but it's how you handle the storms. Are you going to be fearful in a storm? Or are you going to faith through a storm? Enjoy the sermon. God bless you. Oh, so good to be back. Love you guys. I love the church. You got to give Pastor Dave and Kate a big, big hand because they're doing an awesome job. Love your worship team. Love what's happening here. It's such a wonderful experience. I see the building. It has grown. Oh, my. I have shrunk. <laughs> and um, Pastor Dave and Kate are doing such an awesome job that we might just kidnap them and take them back to Malaysia because there are some Kiwis in Malaysia, about two of them. And we need to get them safe. And then we got to thank Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy. We want to thank you for releasing them because we have accepted them into our family. Uh, Pastor Mike sits on my advisory board. He advises me. He's like a father figure to me in the ministry. He speaks into my life. It changes my church. You, you don't know how blessed you guys are um, because they are the best. Honestly, they are the best. When I was going through the uh, most toughest time of my life, he stood with me. And he walked me through that season. And right now, where my church is, because it's because of him and what he has done in our church. Um, we have lesser demons right now. <laughs> New ones just came in. We've got to come back very soon because, um, yeah, that's the deal. It's always coming back. You know, the Indians always love people to come back. And uh, we love to come back, and we love to have you back. If you're ever in Malaysia, I, I love your hospitality. It's so good. If you're ever in Malaysia, we're going to hospitalize you. Our hospitality is at the next level. So are you ready right now? You got to get excited because I'm an exciting kind of guy. I, I like energy. I can't get slow because if I get slow, something begins to happen. So are you ready right now? Yeah. Now, yeah, now are you ready right now? If Jesus is in the house, give him a shout of praise. This morning, I want to talk to you about storms of life. Storms in life. See, the thing is this, all of us are going to face storms in life. All of us are going to experience storms in life. The issue is not whether we're going to experience storms in life. The issue is this, how are you going to approach the storm? How are you going to approach the storm? Are you going to approach the storm with fear, or are you going to approach the storm with faith? I titled this sermon called, Faithing Through the Storm. Bad English, but great sermon title. <laughs> Faithing Through the Storm. See, faith is more than a noun. It's a verb. It's something that you and I got to experience. It's something powerful. It's something real. See, I want to tell you whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to experience storms in life. That the problem with most Christians is that somewhere along the line, we get this crazy idea. The moment we become a child of God, the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes into our life and he calms all the storm. Somewhere along the line, we, real, we start to think, maybe if I am a great Christian, I come to church early every week, I raise my hands and I say, I love you, Jesus. There will be no storms in life. And some of you have gone up to another level. You know what? I come to church early. I raise my hands. I say, I love you, Jesus, and I pay my tithe. That should immune me from all the storms, tribulation, and trust, and problems in life. Here's the thing. You may be a Christian, and you will face storms. Sometimes God allows us to go through storms. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes God allows us to go through storms. Here's the thing. There are two kinds of storms in life. 
Number one is the storm of stupidity. You created that storm. How many of you been through that storm before? It's my own stupidity. I should not have done that. I knew if I do that, I'll get into a problem in my life, and I still didn't. And then we go, God, why did you allow this storm to come into my life? No, 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 it was not God, it was you. But it's a second kind of storm where God allows you to go through the storm because He wants to build something into your life. He wants to show you that He's for you. There are going to be storms in life, and I'm going to promise you, there's going to be financial storms. If you are a Christian, I promise you there will be financial storm. If you are now facing a financial storm and you're a Christian, something wrong is with your giving. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? See, they're going to be relationship storms. They're going to be emotional storms. They're going to be physical storms in your life. And you're going to face storms. Here's the thing. You're going to face storms somewhere in life. The question is not whether God loves you or not. The question is this. When you go through a storm, does not stop God from loving you. God is not punishing you just because you're going through a storm. Sometimes God wants to build faith in your life. Sometimes God wants to show you that He's for you, He's there with you, and He wants to strengthen you and build confidence in you and build character in you. He wants to do that. That's why He allows us to go through a storm. It's in the storms we find our character. It is in the storm we find our strength. It is in the storms that our weaknesses are revealed. It is in the storms we discover our focus. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 36, how long do I have? Two hours? <laughs> Mark chapter 4, 35 to 36. Is it on the screen? Yeah, that's great. Now, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, I want you to understand, let's go to over the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. Now I want you to understand, Jesus just finished a great day of ministry. He was tired, and Jesus suddenly got a brilliant idea. Wouldn't you love it when Jesus has a brilliant idea? And Jesus has this brilliant idea, and he turns around to his disciples and says, Guys, let's take a midnight cruise across the Lake of Galilee. Now the Lake of Galilee is 14 million miles wide, seven miles to do our... I'm no boatman. I don't know anything about fishing and I don't know anything about boat. I just got in a boat last couple of days ago. At a time of my life, Dave scared me. He says, you got to put a bully in and he tried to throw me in. <laughs> so they decided to go on this lake on a midnight cruise. And suddenly, in the middle of the cruise, something begins to happen. The Bible says in verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swarmed. All of a sudden, in the middle of this midnight cruise that Jesus suggested, a furious storm came. It was not no ordinary storm. It was a furious. The Bible says it's furious. If the Bible says it's furious, it is furious. It was so bad the water was coming in. Now, I'm wondering right now, as I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute, did Jesus know there's a storm coming. Did Jesus know when he suggested we should take a midnight cruise, did he know they're going to, they're going to encounter a storm? The issue is, did Jesus know? I'm kind of upset that I thought that Jesus did not get the weather forecast. He did not call the Coast Guard. 
But I think Jesus knew there's going to be a storm. Jesus always knows what's going to happen next. But I've got another question then. If Jesus knew, why in the world would he allow me to go through a storm? If Jesus knew in the next couple of minutes, the next couple of hours, if I take this course of action of faith, I'm going to experience a storm. Why would Jesus allow me to go through a storm? Why would Jesus allow me to go through a situation in my life where my faith is tested, my confidence is tested, my focus is tested, everything in me begins to shake and quiver? Why would Jesus allow me to go through that? See, God allows us to go through difficult times in your life and my life to test our faith, to test where our confidence is. See, most of us believe Jesus for heaven, but most of us don't believe Jesus on earth. We don't believe Jesus can do many things on earth, but he can send us to heaven. A lot of times, Jesus needs to put storms in our life to reveal who he is to us. He wants to show himself to be great and a wonderful God, not only in heaven, not only when you have services, but in your life every single day. See, God wants to test our focus. It's our focus on the storm, or it's our focus on Jesus. Here's the thing, you and I are going to face storms. Maybe some of you in this room are going through a storm. Maybe some of you just came out of the storm. Some of you don't know what is a storm. I want to tell you this, and I want to give you a prophetic word. There will always be storms. Write it down. Mark this date. Sarah said there will be storms in life. But every storm is just a test. Every storm, it's a test. It's a test of our faith. See, God wants to know it's our faith in ourselves or it's our faith in God. Storms reveal where our faith is. Storms reveal who we are on the inside, not who we are on the outside. Who we are on Sunday, who we are every day. It's a storm that reveals who we are. And Jesus puts us in a storm so that we discover who we are, but greater still, we discover who he is. That's the greater truth. And see, all of us, need to understand God will sometimes test our faith. At every level of life, God will test our faith. There are three types of tests that every one of us will go through. One of it is called the pressure test. The pressure test is this. Are you able to handle the stress, the pressure to the absolute limit? Are you able to handle the stress and the pressure? I've been to so many pressure tests, I feel like a pressure cooker. Because <laughs> a pressure cooker is what we are most of the time. Because when you're going through a storm, when you're going through a difficult situation in life, you are building up on the inside. Here's the question. Are you going to blow up? Or are you going to let God simmer you through? See, most of us are Christians. We've been trained by the church to act spiritual. We know how to come to church. Hello, brother. How are you? God bless you. Jesus loves you. But on the inside, you're We've been trained. Here's the thing. How are you acting? Because some of you, when you go up, you blow up. When you go home, you explode. In church, huh? The second type of test is this. It's called the person test. I love this test because pastors have this test all the time. 
God is going to put certain people in your life that are going to stretch your faith. They love, they rub you the wrong way. They have the spiritual ability. I did not say Jesus anointing. They have the demonic ability. I said it correct. It's a demonic ability to touch the raw nerve in your life and just prick it. It's not they are hard to love. They are impossible to love. You have them in your life. Some of you are married to that family. I, and you, I, I have that in my life. And I've always asked God, God, why don't you bring good Christians into my church? Why do you bring that kind when I see them? I'm happy. I'm anointed when I go to church and I'm walking to the service. I'm walking into my hall. And the moment I see them, I do a repentance act 180 degrees and walk the other way. <laughs> we have them in our life. Why? Because God wants to stretch your faith. It's easy to love the lovable, isn't it? But you need faith to love the unlovable. You need faith to love the irritable and the discourageable and all the horrible. But there's a third kind of faith test that we all go to. It's called the perseverance test. Will I maintain my commitment or will I quit? Will I hold on to my faith when I'm going through that trial, that tribulation, that difficult situation in my life? Will I still hold on to Jesus or give up and go back to the world that I came from? See, all of us, if you have ever entered into a venture, a situation where there's a process that needs to follow through, a lot of times when you're going through the process, there's going to be difficulties. See, the weak will give up at every point. The strong will follow through until they see the result. At every transition, at every change, are you willing to see through the transition or are you going to give up and settle for the less? See, God puts us through the test and here's the thing I need you to understand. It's just a test. It's just a test. I don't know about you, but I went to school. They used to have this thing called the fire drill in my school. Do you have that in New Zealand? I know you have fires. Because I saw along the road, there was a lot of indicators, fire on, low, high, extreme. And I'm like, I, I, I love fire drill in my school. Because on Monday, the teacher will announce, boys, today, I went to an all-boys school. Boys, today, this weekend, this week, there'll be a fire drill. Okay, I'm very excited because when it's a fire drill, you got one period free. <laughs> I was not the best of the student at that point in time. I'm smart now. Took a lot of failures to get to where I am. And now, I'm, I'm waiting. Monday, there's no drill. Tuesday, there's no drill. Thursday, there's no drill. Wednesday, no drill. Friday, bring! The alarm goes on, and you hear the sweetest voice of your teacher says, boys, get up. Leave your books and bags. That's the best sound you could tell. Your teacher is prophetic right now. Leave the books and bags. Line up two by two. Go into Noah's Ark. No, I mean, get out of the class. And we walk out of the class. And everything is tense and serious. Everybody is trying to get as fast as possible to the field. And you're walking by faith to the field, hoping when you turn around, the school is burned down. <laughs> and to your disappointment, you just discover it's a test. See, every test is just a test. 
When God puts you in a difficult situation, when God tricks you to a tribulation, when God takes you to a trial, when God gives you a storm in life, it's just a test. He's not testing you for you to fail. He's testing you to build character and faith into your life. He's testing you. That's all. So what? If you fail one test, it's okay. There's another test. It's like a driving test. There's another test. It's just like school when you go into primary one. That's the test. There's always another test. Now I'm wondering, God loves to put us through tests. Now I've been thinking along this as I was reading this passage, and I realized something. Where's Jesus in this situation right now? Jesus, when I read the passage, Jesus was the one that suggested, let's go. Jesus was the one that suggested, let's go on a midnight cruise. The disciples made sure Jesus was on that cruise. Where was Jesus right now? They were in the midst of a storm. The waves were high. Water was coming into the boat. Where was Jesus? The Bible says this is the best part of the Bible. I love the Bible because it tells it as it is. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Hey, I know storms are kind of cool and the boat is like a rocking chair but sleeping during that time doesn't sound right especially when you suggested we go through I'm kind of upset with Jesus right now you're sleeping what's wrong with you I'm, I'm, I don't know whether what should I'm, I'm pretty miffed right now because you know what? I don't know whether I should be upset for the fact that he asked me to go to the other side, knowing that I'm going to have an encounter with the storm, or the fact that he's sleeping through the storm. If I'm the disciple right now, I'll be pretty upset. But here's the thing. The silence of his presence in the storm is not the absence of his power to calm the storm. Just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's powerless. Just because he hasn't done anything doesn't make him weak, just like you and me. Now I'm wondering why Jesus hasn't gotten up and do something about the storm and the situation they're in, and I realized something about the disciples and us. We're exactly like them. We are like the guys. We're trying our best to make sure that we can do everything that we can do so that we don't have to tap on Jesus. We are the guys that will do everything. I think I'm looking at a picture and I'm just imagining this idea that Jesus is in the boat sleeping and the disciples are there trimming the sails, taking buckets of water, and then they take like one bucket and there's five buckets of water comes in. And they're doing all that they can. And maybe I'm thinking, Jesus has not done anything so far because nobody has asked Jesus to do anything. Nobody has called on his name. See, God is not going to do anything until we stop doing all things. When our reliance is no longer on us and on Him, I think that's when Jesus takes over. And here's the thing, the Bible says this, the disciples suddenly realize, I mean, I don't know how dumb you must be, but I can imagine Peter and I are the same. We normally put our big foot in our big mouth most of the time. Somewhere along the line, they just remembered the guy that suggested to go on the midnight cruise is in the boat and sleeping. So they decided to wake him up, and the Bible says they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
Have you ever heard yourself saying, when you go through a storm, no matter who created the storm, you always turn around and say, God, don't you care? Whenever you go through a difficult situation in your life and something bad happens to you, our first thought that comes to our mind is this, God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm going through a marriage situation right now? God, my marriage is breaking down. My wife's about to leave me. My husband is about to leave me. God, don't you care? My kids are about to do a about turn and walk out of church and never come back. God, don't you care? The bank is after me. God, don't you care? God, don't you care? I don't know about you, but I made that statement so many times to God. God, don't you care? I'm having financial difficulty. God, don't you care that the church is not growing? Church, God, don't you care there are too many sick people? God, don't you care? Here's the answer. God does care. He has always cared. You just want to tell God your problems, but God's about to give you a solution. Here's the thing about God that you need to understand. The Bible says God will not tempt us beyond what you and I can resist. See, when it comes to temptation, God will not tempt us beyond the point where we fall. God will tempt us to the point where we know He knows we will not fall. See, when most of us sin and we fall into sin and we do something stupid, God did not push you over the edge. God tested you. He knew how much you could take. But when you went over the side, it's your fault. It's not God. But here's the thing, when you're going through storms in life and you're having problems in life, you got to understand about God. When it comes to adversity and trouble, God will allow you to be burdened to the point where you realize you cannot fix the problem by yourself. God will allow you to be burdened to the point where you realize you can't do something about it. See, the, the funny thing about the disciples is this. They didn't say, God, don't you care that we are going through a storm? They said, God, don't you care we are going to drown? That's a difference. The disciples knew they are going to go through storms. But the moment they realized they could not handle the storm, they turned around and said, God, don't you care I'm about to die? See, all of us in this room, all of us have this mindset that we can get through a storm. God, I got this. I'm going to make it work. God, you know what? This financial problem, I know how to handle it. I know how to budget. I know how to get out of it. God, I know, I know, I know, I know. We all have that. This God, I've got this. You, you take a break. Have a sleep on the cushion. Right? And then we do our best. We try and we pray and we do everything on our own strength, but nothing happens. And all of a sudden, we turn around and say, God, don't you care? I'm about to die. Don't you care that the bank is about to take my house? God, don't you care my marriage is falling apart? See, we all are people who love to work on our own strength, even though we have a God that can do all things. We all like to rely on our own abilities. Because, let's be honest, how many times is our praise report a really a praise report? How many times do we say it is all God? Because a lot of times we say 50% is me, 50% is God. 90% is me, 10% is God. We all say that. And we wonder why God doesn't come true for us all the time. Because our reliance is not on God. Our reliance is on our own strength. It is at the point of absolute desperation that we turn to God. 
See, the Bible is full of people who, who went through the situation like that. See, when you discover life is unmanageable, that's when you turn to God. When you think life is impossible, that's when you look at the God of all possibilities. See, when you think, when you know that it's unbearable, it's beyond your point of handling it, that's when you start to focus on Jesus. Isn't it true? The disciple called on Jesus because they could not handle it anymore. The Bible is full of people who could not, who understood this truth. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Joseph. He understood he could get out of this situation even though he was betrayed, thrown into the pit, sold as a slave, framed, thrown into prison, and forgotten. All he had was God. There was a guy by the name of Moses who was standing at the edge of the great Red Sea, and in front of him was a great sea, and the Egyptian army behind him, and all he had was God. He knew God would come true. See, Paul understood this very well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt, we felt we have received a sentence of this, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. This happened because our reliance was no longer on us. It's on God. Maybe you're going through a season of pure desperation right now. Maybe you're going through a storm right now. And you have tried and you tried. And you have done your very best. You have given all your resources. You have taken your talents, gifts, and ability to get yourself out of the storm. And you have no way of getting out of the storm. And the storm is getting greater. I want to tell you something really powerful and something really revelational. You have something greater than your talents, gifts, and ability. You have a name. The name is Jesus. You have a name called Jesus. You can call on him 24-7, 365 days. Jesus. I love that name, Jesus, because that name heals, that name delivers, that name promotes, that name makes mountains bow down and seas stay silent. That name makes demons flee. That name, the name, the name, the name, Jesus. We have that name, but we don't call on that name. See, that's why God allows us to go through points where we come to a place where we want to throw in the towel. Jesus, 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 Jesus. See, you got to understand this. The end of man is the beginning of God. The end of man is the beginning of God. When you have done all that you could do and nothing else works, when your strength fails, your wisdom doesn't come true, your knowledge is defeated, and your earthly counsel is foolish, and all you have is the name, the name, the name, name, Jesus. You truly believe in that name. You truly call on that name. How many times when you're going through a storm, your prayers was like, Jesus, I've got this. You don't say it like that, but you mean it. I can do this in Jesus' name. But when you get to the point of desperation, you can't handle the burden anymore. The storm is too great. Your Jesus does not go like, Jesus. He goes, Jesus! I need you. Jesus! That's a different kind of sound. It's not a sound of convenience, it's a sound of faith. It's not a sound of compliance, but a sound that wants to get the attention of God. It's a sound. It's kind of interesting, Jesus slept through that whole situation. 
because he tells me three things about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is tired. I want to tell you, in your ministry, and you're working, it's okay to sleep. But don't sleep in service. There was a guy in the Bible who slept through the service. Something bad happened to him. He died. I'm not saying I'm that guy that can make you die in service, but things happen. I don't know. God is in control. The second thing was this. I realized Jesus was sleeping through because... Because he had this inner sense of tranquility inside of him that he could rest in a storm. But the third thing is this, I realized Jesus could sleep through a storm because he had the power to calm the storm. See, when you have, you know you have the power to calm the storm, you can relax. It's like your kids, right? How many of you have kids that make you more holy, <laughs> make more repentant? You ask, you talk to God more. But you got a kid, right, that drives you up the ball, running around, banging on things, and all of a sudden, Georgia! No, sorry, wrong name. <laughs> Just, that's the first name that came out. Stop! And <laughs> all this while, she's like, you're still calm. But the tongue, yeah! You don't have to say a word. Jesus, I think that night, Jesus was more concerned about another storm. See, there were two storms that the disciples were facing. The first storm was the external storm, the physical storm of the waves and the winds, the lightning and thunder. But there was another storm that the disciples were facing, which was an inner storm. An inner storm that caused them to be fearful. An inner storm that caused them to doubt. An inner storm that caused them to do everything in their strength instead of looking for Jesus. You see, most of them were filled with fear. You see, I discovered something. The inner storm is more powerful than the outer storm. The inner storm of fear is more powerful because it can stop you dead on your tracks. It can cause you to go back to a life that you left behind. It can cause you to give up on a God that has done many good things for you. The inner storm of fear... It's much, much greater. See, most of us don't understand this, but Jesus that night tried not calm one storm, but he calmed two storms. He turned around, the Bible says, verse 39, he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and he was completely calm, and he turned to his disciples and says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? I, I like Jesus, and if I were Jesus, if I was playing Jesus, I would not even say those words. I'll go, drop the mic, and walk off the stage. <laughs> if I was Jesus, do I have done that? Because <laughs> the issue was the storm, right? But why turn around to the disciples and say, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you still afraid? Do you have no faith? You see, the big question in life is not that God cannot calm the storm on the outside. The big question is, this, can God calm the storm on the inside? See, our biggest problem in life is not storms. Our biggest problem in life is our fear. See, most of us, God needs to train us to have faith in him for the next storm.
See, all of us are praying this prayer. God, please calm the storm around me right now. God, hold the bank back. Make, the, make sure that they don't go bankrupt. They're so prosperous that they give me a leeway for the next six years. I don't have to pay interest. God, calm that storm. God, transform my wife, my man, my children. God, do all those things. And God is saying to you, I can do all those things, but I want to deal with the inner man, the person on the inside, the storm that's causing you to mess up, because I'm going to tell you, I can get you out of this storm, but you're going to get into another storm. I want you to know when you get in the storm, I've got your back. I've got your back. That inner storm is the one that's the hardest to come, because most of us, how many times, no matter how great the storm is, the inner storm that tends to mess you up. It's the inner storm that causes us to fail. It's the inner storm that makes us weak. It's the inner storm that makes us doubt God. No matter how many miracles you see, it's the inner storm. The inner storm. A couple of years ago, many years ago, I went fishing. I may not look like a fisherman, but I love to fish. And I went on a fishing trip, and I just bought a brand new rod and reel, and I wanted to test it out. It's a deep sea water reel. But my boatman decided that day, my friend and I, the boatman decided, he decided, you know what, we're going to go off the shore, maybe 300, 400 meters off the shore. There's a wreck, there's, a, there's an artificial reef. We're going to go there and fishing. And I was fishing. I was trying all these small, small fish. We were carrying whitings, and then we were just big, and there's nothing fanciful, you know. And you keep looking back at the rod, your big rod over there, and you're thinking, when am I going to test it out? Because the water is about 10 meters, 15 meters deep. A big reel to catch whitings like that, the rod even won't even bend. Now finally, I turn around and looked at the boatman and says, let's go. And I said it, launch into the deep. I sounded like Jesus. <laughs> turn to the boatman and says, launch into the deep. The boatman turns around and he looks at me, there's a storm coming. And I look at the horizon, there is no storm. You heathen, faithless man. I was not saying it, I was thinking it. Just like you and I, okay? Now I was like, I turned around, but my sister, no, we got to go into the deep because where the deep is. So we went two hours into the sea. Two hours to a Japanese wreck so that I could test my new rod and reel. So I dropped the line. The, the hook, the sinker was floating along that far. I knew the waters was rough and... He's trying to fish, and all of a sudden, I saw the clouds coming. They were dark. And all of a sudden, this man of God that had faith suddenly had wisdom. He turned around to the boatman and says, it's time for us to go back. <laughs> and I was like, I turned around the boatman. I was reeling my rod in as fast as possible. We took up the anchor, and we got on the boat. We turned around, and we were heading back to shore. Half an hour into the journey, the storm caught up with us. And it was no ordinary storm. I have never been in a storm. This was no ordinary storm. I was holding on for my dear life. My dear life, meaning there was a pole at the back where the, you know, where the, the, the cabin is, and it's a huge wooden pole, it's a wooden boat, and I was holding the door, and I was praying, God, you got to get me out of this storm. If I die today, Penang is not going to experience a revival. There are many people going to go to hell without me. <laughs> And I was praying, I was facing the back of the boat, and one moment I realized the waves were so strong, all I could see was water on the back of, in front of me, on the side of me, on the other side of me, and I was suddenly so afraid, I did the most spiritual thing, I turned around. Repentance is always good. I turned around, and I noticed the boat going up, and all I could see was sky. And I was freaking out. My prayer got more intense. 
There was no faith, but there was a lot of desperation. I was so intense. I was like, God, you got to get me calm the storm. And God did not hear my prayer. I was holding on for my dear life. And I was going through the storm. See, I want you to understand, sometimes God doesn't calm the external storm. He wants to deal with the internal storm. If he can calm the internal storm, the external storm, no matter how great it is, nothing to you because you have God who can do all things. I was in that boat holding on to my dear life, praying prayers I've never prayed before. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all the fear and chaos that was happening around me, the waves are higher than everything, and me praying with all my heart, silently. Because there were people around me that looked up to me. I could not show them I had fear. I was blowing up on the inside, but the outside I was. And in the midst of all that, I turned around and I looked at my boatman. He was. And I'm like, what kind of idiot must he be? He is calm in the storm. Does he not? The man of God could die and there's no revival. I'm thinking all that time. He's so calm. He's like, and he had no care in the world. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me at that point in time, he has been through worse storms. He has experienced greater storms. But he believed he would get through this storm. He's calm on the inside, even though there's storm on the outside. And at that point in time, I did the most wisest thing in my life, most faithful act, took five steps of faith, let go of that pole, walked up to the boatman, and sat beside him. That five steps took forever. But the moment I sat behind the calm man, all of a sudden, there was a sense of tranquility inside of me. I realized I'm going to make it through the storm because I have a boatman. I want to tell you, if you're going through a storm right now, all you got to do is walk up to Jesus. Because he's been through many storms. He knew that you're going to go through a storm. He let you into a storm, no matter whether you got into the storm because of your stupidity or because he let you in. All you got to do is go up to Jesus. And that's the calmest spot in the storm. See, I want to tell you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was asleep on the boat, and they had to shout and wake him up. But I want to tell you, 2,000 years later, he's not sleeping anymore. He's at the right hand of the Father, watching, praying over you, and he's waiting for you to turn around and say, Jesus, I need you right now. I need you right now because you are all I have. You are all I have. Jesus, I need you. I don't know what storm you're going through right now. I don't know whether you're a Christian or not. Maybe somebody invited you to church and you turned up because somebody told you there's a handsome Indian guy coming all the way from Malaysia. And you have never seen an Indian guy that's bald and handsome before. And you decided to come and visit. 
But while you're seated here, something began to happen in your heart. You sense an atmosphere that you could not fully understand or describe or articulate. But you like it. And you saw a voice behind the man that was speaking. That was not only speaking to your heart, but speaking to your spirit. A voice that said, I love you and I want the very best for you. No matter what you're going through right now, that voice says, I got your back. And you realize that voice is Jesus. See, I don't know whether you're a Christian or not, but I, knew, know, I know this. Jesus is for you right now. He's waiting on you to call on Him. So I want every single person, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, to bow your head and close your eyes. For the next couple of minutes, nobody looking around. Just my eyes and God's eyes. Maybe you're going through a storm right now and you're not a Christian. You don't believe in God. You never heard of Jesus. Or maybe you heard of Jesus in school, but you never really believed in Him. You never really talked to Him. You thought it was crazy. But you're here today. And you sense in your heart there is something inside of you that wants to connect with this Jesus. Wants to call on this Jesus. And you're in a storm and you realize the only thing that can help you out is Jesus. In a moment's time, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. If you're not a Christian, you've never been to church, you've never believed in Jesus. This is for you. This is your chance to come to Jesus. There's no ritual, there's no process. The Bible says, call on His name and you shall be saved. Call on His name. But there's a second group of people here today. You are a Christian or you were a Christian. But somewhere along your life, your, your faith in God began to disappear. And today you came back to church, just give God another chance and you hear God calling you, time to come back. If that's you, in a moment's time, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. It's not because there's something spiritual. It's because I need to see who you are. And I want you to have enough faith to say, I believe God by raising your hands. See, the moment you raise your hand, that's the greatest act of faith that you could ever do in your life. Because that's you telling God, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. At the count of three, you have never been a Christian. Or you've been a Christian, you've moved away far away from God. Today at the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. Are you ready? I'm going to do it once. At the count of three, just raise your hands. Ready? One, two, three just raise your hands i see your hands at the back there i see your hands I see your hands i see your hands come on i see your hands over there i see your hands lady i see your hands at the back there i see your hands at the back there i see your hands over there just raise them high just for one more minute just for 30 seconds more just raise them up this is your act of faith jesus i need you in my life right now because i have tried everything i can but nothing has worked jesus i need you i just need you i just need you I just need you right now you're all I have this is what I want you to do I want you to put down your hands I want you to say this prayer with me 
This prayer is not magical, but it's powerful. If you believe, you don't have to believe a lot. You just have to believe that Jesus can, and Jesus will, and He will do it. I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today to surrender my life to you. Say, Jesus, I want to give you my failures, my mistakes, and my sin. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Today, I want a new beginning with you. Jesus, you're the Lord and the Savior of my life. I invite you right now, take control of my life. I have a new beginning in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can Jesus praise right now? You know, the saddest thing about church is this. Sometimes we go through the ritual and the religious process of Sunday that we miss out on Jesus. We can get caught up in everything that's happening that we miss out on Jesus. I just want to take a few minutes for you to connect with Jesus. Maybe you're going through a storm right now. Maybe you're going through a crisis right now. A difficulty in your life that's beyond you. I want to tell you, he may be silent, but he's not powerless. He's about to do something in your life. Shift your focus on him. I can see him. I can see him. If you can see him, if you can feel him, you know he can do great things in your life.